right, Zach, let's do this. It's the Selby is Godcast on The Athletic Cleveland. I have to hurry up and get through my intro before you stop this podcast prematurely because you didn't like something you said and that you wanted to edit it out completely. So welcome to the podcast. Take it away. Good afternoon. How are things? <laughs> I'm doing great. You're just trying to keep the political talk off of our podcast, apparently. Yeah, I mean, let's let's... Keep this to baseball, stick to sports, all that good stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we are so good at that as we are outside the uh, Infinity Lounge where anything can happen and often does happen. Do we have any guests lined up for this one? <laughs> well, Andre just, not last time. Just have to wait and see, Zach. Who knows who might stop by? We have the security dog just walked through. Uh, that is so. the same dog that a couple years ago left a deposit in the press box, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah. It might have been. Yes, that before games they have the dogs come through just sniffing around, making sure everything's a-okay. You never know what could have happened overnight or or what or might be cra- a book bag. Hey, wow. All right. Well, you'll leave that in the podcast, but you'll take the other stuff just out. Just edit that out. <laughs> no, it's in there for good. Edit the name. <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, you brought it up and, you know, never mind. Uh, this week, I think we're going to try something a little bit different. And this was your idea to, instead of going once a week and us kind of just emptying the notebook, emptying our thoughts, emptying our brains, there's usually not a lot in there, but we usually ramble on for like 45 minutes. And people are, and to their credit, and we very, very much appreciate this, generally stick with us all the way through uh, the length of our podcast. But I think many people would like a few more podcasts throughout the week. So we're going to try something different. The people have spoken. Where we're going to, to maybe shorten these up a little bit, but maybe do these a little bit more frequently so we can mix in maybe two, sometimes three a week. Yeah, look, I mean, basketball season is, is ending soon, maybe really soon. And it's, it's going to be... All Browns quarterback talk. So we need to provide a diversion. We need to provide another avenue for people to not, not, and it doesn't have to, I mean, we don't often keep this strictly to the nuts and bolts of the Indians as we've talked about, but just something different. And uh, hopefully we can take people through the summer and uh, give them something to listen to when they're driving around or working out or walking their dog or uh, ignoring their family, whatever whatever people do. Well, if we're going to try to shorten these podcasts up, it's probably not a good idea to spend the first three minutes explaining how we're going to shorten things up. So let's... <laughs> I just Six other things really quick. Um, no, go ahead. Let's start first with the the move today as we record this on Tuesday. Indians getting set to open up a series with the Milwaukee Brewers. Shout out to August Fagerstrom, a big-time listener to the podcast, or so he says. Though usually does come with proof that he's listened all the way through. So shout out to August and the, the Milwaukee Brewers in town. Uh, he didn't make the trip, though. Yeah, what's that about? He said he had to help out with their uh, draft Drift. selections, Ooh, yeah. which... Can't you Skype in or something? (laughs) This is 2018, after all. You don't have to actually physically be where you're actually doing your work from. August Fagerstrom, who works for a major league front office but is terrible at HBD. Go figure. This is weird. Um, Has he won a playoff series yet? I think he actually beat me once, I probably shouldn't say that. All right, so with the Brewers in town, you know, we've been talking, or I know you wrote over the weekend a little bit. We've talked about this a little bit before. The outfield picture um, is kind of confusing because there's a lot of moving parts. Parts here, and there's it's a musical chairs where there's the music is just getting ready to stop, and they're running out of chairs, 
and they want to keep. Yes, that's how the game works. <laughs> they want to keep some sense of depth. So they can't necessarily just cut everybody that doesn't have options and risk losing them to waivers because, I think as Tito said, in a week you could look up and the depth that you thought you had can be gone. These are all injury-prone people. Well, uh, 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 not injury-prone. As we talked about last time, that term is overused. These are all players who have been on the disabled list, so yeah. you can't just assume no one's going to get hurt the rest of the year. But I think they made the right decision today, sending Bradley Zimmer down and keeping Greg Allen, at least for the short term. Uh, but he's also your only center fielder every day quality. I mean, you could say Raj plays center field, but he can't play center field every day. Were you surprised? I, yes and no. Partially yes, because there's that, that prospect pedigree with Zimmer. And you never want to feel like you're running away from a guy that you still feel like can be talented. Um, I, I think they handled it as best as they could as far as explaining it goes. But I'm, I think as, as Kipnis said a few weeks ago, you know, when they made the decision to move him down the lineup, he didn't have much of a leg to stand on. For Zimmer, you know, he's playing a tremendous defensive center field. We saw him make one of those tremendous highlight real catches that um, you know we saw so much of last year, right when he came back from the disabled list. But He's striking out in, what, 35 to 40% of his at-bats. Um, he has tremendous speed, but he's not taking advantage of that because he's not putting the ball in play right now. He is a guy that we know in the past has worked through some mechanical things and um, has tried to get right offensively. And right now, you know, this, this wasn't as much of a, a realistic option when you didn't feel like you had an everyday quality center fielder to plug in, but Greg Allen has played so well that how do you not reward him, keep him around, and show that you're going to to reward those that play well and that deserve the playing time. Greg Allen earned it, and he should be staying around. Yeah, you know, I, I was surprised because Terry Francona over the weekend, Greg Allen has been playing so well, and yet anytime Francona talked about him, he almost, he almost like gave him backhanded compliments. Like, yeah, he's hitting the ball really well, but his defense is good, but he broke back on a ball first when he should have broken forward. Like, little things like that he's he's critiqued. And he, he does that with young players from time to time, but it just, to me, it was like they were just setting it up so that they would have reason to explain why they were sending Greg Allen down. Um, I, I like this. I like that it, you know, it proves if a player plays really well, he can make a team make a decision that they probably wouldn't have made otherwise. So, uh, you know, Allen plays well enough where they felt like, okay, well, we can give Zimmer a chance to, to figure things out offensively. The thing that's amazing, and we've said this in the last couple weeks, it's like, Rajay Davis has nine lives. Like, he... If it was between Allen and Davis, if they were dead set on keeping Zimmer at the big league level... Uh, there would be no reason to keep Davis, right? Except that he's out of options. Um, it would be maintaining your depth. That's that's really the uh, based on just play. That's the only reason why you would keep him over. Yeah, Greg Allen. Allen's a better hitter. He's a better fielder in center. Uh, Davis might be a slightly better base runner, but that's about it. So the the issue though is you need a backup center fielder. You need someone else on the roster besides. Allen or Zimmer who can play center. So Davis stays on the team for now. And I found it interesting when Terry Francona mentioned today that Tyler Naquin's going to be playing some center field at AAA because I, I think that would indicate maybe maybe they, when he's healthy, that's when Rajay Davis goes or, or something. But I, I don't see, I think when it comes time to 
sort out a playoff roster, I think we would see Zimmer and, and not Rajay. Yeah, probably so. It, it's weird because you're talking about guys that do such drastically different things, and they they obviously Tito loves maintaining the switch hitters, and that's why Melky Cabrera is going to get every opportunity to stay around as long as possible because when he's on the bench or in the lineup. It's sort of like a connector to the rest of the lineup because you can plug a switch hitter anywhere and feel like you're going to maintain some balance. And we know Tito's huge on that. You have Zimmer who's hitting from the left side, Raj who's hitting from the right side. Raj isn't really a strict platoon guy, and right now he's not hitting much of anything. Um, then you have Brandon Geyer who's supposed to be coming back on Friday, who went healthy two years ago, was a bigger re uh, reason as anybody why they got to the World Series and he was killing left-handed pitching. Well, we haven't seen that guy in, in now a year and some change. Um, is he ever going to be completely healthy and be back to being that guy? I don't know. Um, and he also, they have a little bit more committed to him financially. If they cut ties with him, he would be exposed to other teams that could potentially lose him. The same thing with, with Melky too, obviously. So I, there's a lot of... There's a lot of moving parts here where I don't envy being in the position that they are in because I feel like no matter what you do, you could make a right decision, but at the same time make a decision that you feel like could be wrong too. Today, they made a decision that was right. They, the first hurdle was the correct one to clear in keeping Greg Allen because he deserves it. He's a switch hitter. He has earned the playing time that he's gotten. He's a tremendous defender. He's great on the, the bases, and I think you're seeing him gain more confidence. You're seeing him become a more competent hitter as the confidence comes and right now you're being rewarded for him playing as much as he is I don't know what that's gonna mean in the future for 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 Bradley Zimmer but clearly he's got all, some some things to work on offensively this outfield is such a mess isn't it I mean you have all these moving parts Brantley somehow is the only stable piece to this puzzle and then you think about all the guys who are gonna be free agents at the end of the year Brantley Davis uh, Chisenhall uh, Melky, Geyer's got a team option. So, like, this could look completely different next year. And so I think, I mean, it's interesting to think about, like, Allen has positioned himself where he's got the upper hand right now and he's going to get basically everyday playing time. And it's cool when you can see young players just take it and run with it. It's also easier to, to make the, these sorts of statements when he's performing well. What's it going to be like if, if he settles back into a slump? Can you afford to run him out into center field every day because of his defense, because of his base running, if he is not, if he's getting on base at a 280 clip? But the difference is that justify he's not going to strike out 40% of the time. So some of those at-bats still might be productive. That's true, but I guess I'm... I mean, I'm with you. There, there are questions. It's not like Allen is the center fielder for the next 10 years but now what is, just because I guess he won my, this battle. My, my bigger question is, right, in the future, they're all a part of the plans. Each of the younger guys, Naquin too, um, because you have the control. I'm, I'm just talking about the near future. If neither one of those guys is hitting, if Zimmer's not hitting and Greg Allen's not hitting, I mean, you mentioned Naquin in center field. That was borderline disastrous in 2016 but if he's hitting the way that he was in 2016 it sort of justified things it got difficult to justify in the second half when he was so susceptible to 95 plus up in the zone he couldn't hit it but when he was OPSing 920 okay he wasn't great in center field but he was tremendous offensively you know is there a point where they have to consider doing some some drastically different things if 
Allen or Zimmer is not not hitting. I, I, I don't I don't know. I'm just. I think there's a lot to consider here with all of these different I don't think there's an answer. I think this is the prototypical, what does Tito always say? These things have a way of working themselves out. I mean, you figure it out today and you see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. But it's not going to be that easy if then you decide to keep uh, certain guys and let other guys go and then you lose that depth and then what happens if Alan Simmer's not hitting and you've lost Geyer or you've lost Cabrera? Um, Maybe maybe this is the the wrong conversation to have because we're, we're not talking about the biggest, most impactful part of the roster. You're focused on Lindor and Ramirez and Encarnacion. And if Encarnacion's hitting the way that he's hit here recently, uh, what's happening in center field doesn't matter quite as much offensively. But I guess I'm looking to... I'm trying to consider every different scenario that could happen and how do you protect yourself against that happening. But I don't know. What do you want me to say? There's no answer. I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. We have to see what happens. We have to see if maybe Allen is the next Kenny Lofton. Maybe Zimmer is a bust. Who knows? How about the bullpen? <laughs> you really want to... We do that every podcast. In the interest of trying to keep Should we introduce fresh. the reliever du jour? Who do we have today? Oliver Perez? Yeah, who... I, I guess I hadn't... I hadn't looked up Oliver Perez in a few years. I hadn't watched him pitch. Had like, you really seen his focused, hair? Really focused on him. So when I saw him today in the clubhouse, um, it took me a second to remember that that was Oliver Perez. It, it, it really was actually kind of jarring because um, how old is he now? 30, I think 36. Uh, yeah, somewhere in that range. I have an Oliver Perez story. Say what? Um, my uncle was... Uh, not business partners, but like some sort of had some sort of connection to the Mets owners back in the day. This is like an uncle who married into the family and whatever. Um, but in 2006, when the Mets were playing the Cardinals in the NLCS, it went seven games. I think the Mets. I think they blew a three-one lead. I was promised, and I was in high school at the time, I was promised by my uncle, if the Mets made the World Series, he would take me to New York to attend a couple of the games. And they go up 3-1 in the, in the NLCS. And I'm telling everybody at school, like, I'm going to get to go to the World Series, how jealous are you? Like, I thought I was the, the shit. And then they blew that. And then in Game 7, do you remember Andy Chavez made that catch over the wall. Oh, yeah. It's like the greatest right. catch of all time. Um, and I just remember Oliver Perez pitching on that, that Mets team. I, don't, I guess it's not so much an Oliver Perez really story. But story. <laughs> Thanks for delivering. That was, so uh, that was a rough time when they blew that. <laughs> and I remember I had, I think someone you had... kind of deserved it. Yeah. Someone had, when the kids at school found out, someone had given me like a Mets shirt that they had in their closet that they never wore. And so I was wearing that like every game, sitting in my dark living room, watching by myself. <laughs> and then they just choked. And I remember, I think it was Beltran or Delgado was up with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth and like hit into a double play or something. It was awful. Okay. So this story was bad, but it Wait, actually... you said you wanted to shorten these podcasts? <laughs> It actually uh, works as a segue of sorts because I find it interesting that something that was happening in your life forced you to root for an outcome. Yes. Right? You're, not, you're not a Mets fan. No, but I love the big? 2000 Mets because I really liked Benny Agbayani. Well, who didn't? And they had Octavio Dotel. 
And it was so easy to root against John Rocker and everything sure. that happened with him. Um, okay, so in your youth, something could happen, something that would change your life. You were rooting for a story to happen. You were rooting for it. It's kind of, because people ask, I know you get locked in conversations with family members or uh, some random Uber driver might ask you, you know, are, are, are you rooting for the team to win as a reporter? i got to tell you about this Uber driver oh, in Minneapolis. God. Oh, jeez. Go on. Is, is it a quick story or a long story? <laughs> you know, I always think they're quick and then... <laughs> this guy, he drove me to the airport Sunday night. God bless him. I, I, I don't mind Uber drivers who want to converse with you. This guy knew nothing about sports, and that that's fine. But you don't have to try to talk sports with me. He kept referring to the Warriors as GSW. I've never heard anyone call them that. He asked me... It's going to be on their uniform next year. He asked me who the, who the uh, Cavs' second best player was. I said, probably Kevin Love. I said, you know he used to play here. And he goes, oh, is Kevin Love good at shooting? <laughs> Like what? I don't. Okay. He asked me. He basically wanted me to play GM and and said, you know, how how would you have built the Cavs around LeBron so that they'd be better and um, just so uncomfortable. So I actually had a pleasant experience in an Uber in Houston when the guy told me that he was so sick of football, so so sick of the Houston Texans, and was so sick of the radio essing the D of the Texans every single day, and that. It just turned him off to football. And I said it was kind of like being here in Cleveland. Maybe you should go win a game before I care about what's happening on the football field. And there were so many similarities. But anyhow, thank you for di- sending us on this divergent path. All right, so, so rooting interests? Is that rooting what we're getting interests. here? Um, you know, so people ask, you know, how, how do we go about our sports lives? Because, you know, we're no longer rooting for the team to win. But... We are still rooting for things to happen. We're rooting for good sure. stories. Um, and it's generally easier for us to do our jobs when the... Okay, we're covering the Indians. When the Indians are doing well, it's easier easier for us to do our job. You'd always rather cover a playoff team than a, a doormat, for sure. Um, and people, people are, care more about it. It's easier to write more fun stories when the team is playing well. So in that sense, yeah, we're, we're sort of rooting for things to happen. And then you also like will start to chase certain stories, and you root for, or root for people, or you you root for certain things to happen to keep a story alive, and it, it's happened a, a few times to us here recently. And I know you had a situation where you were writing your story about Jose Ramirez, right? Yeah, and so, then well, so I was Twitter talking went to a little crazy last week. I was talking to Cody Allen about Jose and his his first quote to me this was before, I had no idea any of those rumors had popped up or anything his first quote to me is he's he deserves everything he's been getting which you know you wouldn't say that about someone who gets busted for steroids obviously um, and I had no idea any of this was going on and when I finished yeah, talking if you, to if you missed it by the way there was rumors and speculation out of the Dominican Republic perpetuated by a blog site. I can't even remember what it was. Jose denied it. The Indians denied it. Major League Baseball eventually ruled it. So there was nothing. Said it was all bogus. But So I, I walked back up to you after I talked to Cody Allen and, and you said, uh, you still writing that story on, on Jose? 
and I had already written quite a bit of it. It ended up being, I think, like 2,100 words, and, and you know the feeling, like, mm-hmm. you've been working on something for weeks, and that player gets sent down, or they get injured, or they go through a just ridiculous slump, and all of a sudden your story makes zero sense, or the timing seems awkward, or... That's just, it's the worst feeling. And so the, the what, hour and a half where we didn't know whether this was true or not was tormenting. Yeah, I mean, you turned white as a ghost. You had no color in your face completely. You were sitting there, like, not sure what to do with all of these great quotes that you had just gotten. And then, of course, this, this as we find out, okay, there's nothing to the rumors, uh, and then you go out and write the story. It's tremendous, by the way. Everyone, and he homers it. He homered every day leading up to it too, which was <laughs> perfect. But for the for that two hour period, you're you're right. You're like not sure about the timing of the whole thing, and if this stuff is still hanging out there, even if there's nothing to it, does it work right? So you end up rooting for <laughs> you end yeah. up rooting for it not to be true because sure. it just would have completely killed your story. Well, and more than that too. I mean, it's. I mean, we started thinking about the scope of the season. And if, if they lost Jose Ramirez, wouldn't be eligible for the playoffs, mm-hmm. obviously would miss 80 games. And all of a sudden you're covering a team that has a cloud hanging over it. Mm-hmm. You'd always prefer to cover a team that doesn't have those off-the-field distractions. You would prefer not to cover a team where anything that happens is going to be um, counteracted with, well, what if you had Jose? Or... What if this person never got a chance? I mean, it's just all sorts of things. It's just like a dark cloud. Yeah. And, and so, obviously, we have no control over it. We, I, 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 you know, whether someone performs great or they perform terribly, it, it does, usually doesn't matter to me. But when we have a specific investment right. in something because of our work, then, then yeah, that's that can sometimes be the, the worst <laughs> feeling in the world. Like, I wrote... It was the day before we learned that Andrew Miller was going on the disabled list again with this knee stuff. Um, I talked to him at length for 12 to 15 minutes about um, openers and the evolution of the bullpen and how it impacts arbitration. And this all, in my mind, has a particular, it carries a a certain weight because he's Andrew Miller and he's this... uh, Grim Reaper looming in the the bullpen that can come in and neutralize any opponent. And then when he goes on the disabled list, the the story is still very insightful and very thoughtful, and the quotes are still meaningful. But to me, I wonder, does this carry the same amount of weight? Because right now he's on the shelf, and he can't help his team, and he has not performed well, and he's not a factor right now. Like, if you run that story during the 2016 playoffs, it's... It's tremendous. National news. Right. But because he goes on the disabled list and, like, he was kind of in and out and the bullpen has been terrible, it definitely loses a little bit of luster. Right. So it's it's still good, but you wonder, could it have been better if it had been timed better? And and some of that, sometimes it's just out of your hands. Yeah. We we sat and talked to uh, to Evan Marshall in Detroit, however many weeks ago, just about being a a new father. He's got... got, uh, how old is the baby now? A month? About, about a month old since that happened? It was, uh, like, the very beginning of May. Yeah, So he, he came up in the middle of that crazy doubleheader game where Nick Goody got hurt, and he ended up driving. He had a Uber ride up here yeah. for, what was it, $200? I can't $333. Yeah. So all of this happens, and he 
since they had the baby, he has then come up to Cleveland, and then he was in the bullpen in Columbus, and then came back to Cleveland. But at the time we talked to him, he, he gave the best quote, which is, if you're going to be away from your son, being in a major league bullpen is like the next best place. It, it makes it all make sense. And then he got sent down before I got to use any of that. <laughs> and it's like you're sitting on you're like, man, I have this great story that I would like to tell because I had also talked to Tyler Olson, who just had a baby. Um, I talked briefly to Nick Goody, who's got a baby coming up uh, in July. So it's like, okay, I've got all this great material, but then he gets ends up getting sent down, and none of this really works anymore. So then you're like, what do I do with it? So you end up is in being position. in a AAA bullpen. <laughs> is that the third best place then? <laughs> you end up in our position where you're like, no, don't send him down. Yeah. I, I I yelled at the Indians PR guy because I had planned to run that the next day. I said, dude, come on, you guys are killing me because I'm sitting on this. And when you're on a road trip, you know, for us, we're out here, we're trying to find some different stories a little bit off the beaten path especially when we're on the road we want to make this count so I had been uh, you know we went to Detroit I had gone to Houston I had gotten this information and I'm like great I have a story to come back with that's different than just the gamers that we're going to be you know focusing on and all of that gets thrown out the window into the garbage now you try to save it and I think uh, at some point maybe closer to Father's Day I'll be able to utilize some of that stuff because I think there there are some some elements there at play that we don't always think about you know you better up for these guys they have to leave their families and if they just had a kid it's like great rocket yeah. a couple times hand it to the <laughs> right. family and you're out the door uh, but you end up rooting for these stories to happen because because it it selfishly makes our job easier but also because you know I think it makes it more fun when we can share some of those stories during the Mike Petten era there was one year where I in the off season I did basically like a, a feature story a week on the Browns a deep dive um, into someone's past and I just had a knack of it seemed like every week that player either got injured or released I remember uh, there was like a fullback named Kiero Small and his story and no one had ever heard of these guys but they all had amazing stories which was cool like there was a running back Glenn Winston who was homeless and like kept breaking the law and stuff and then ended up being in the NFL for a few years but like Kiero Small I can't remember his full story I think there's something about a there was a shooting maybe like his brother or his dad or something and like a family business or something like that but I remember the story was like he had a compelling story the story runs at like 7am he was released at like 8.30 so it got 90 minutes of shelf life and people if they were googling like who did the Browns release today like who's Kiro Small maybe my story popped up so that was good but like that that's that's the worst I mean when, when you're like you said I mean it's because the, the the stuff that takes time that you pour your heart and soul into like when you just have the rug swept out from under you <laughs> it's just it's awful and it's and then I think that the same token too like a guy like Marshall who I got to spend time with in the spring and, and write yeah. all about his his uh harrowing harrowing story and, and when he got hit in the head by a line drive he wasn't supposed to survive the surgery his wife it was a nightmare for her like you have a rooting interest in that respect too I mean like I, I you try to be as objective as you can but like I want to see Marshall do well I know what he's been through and I, I know how his wife has had to suffer through some of this and how every time he takes the mound she is scared shitless because a line drive back to his head and he might not be here anymore yeah well you got like that thin piece of plastic yeah between him and his his cap and his head right so it's like you you have some rooting interest in that regard too I think you root for people you root for stories 
Um, and selfishly, you root for your job. You root for things to happen that are going to make you as successful as possible in your position. And I think it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, it's. I think about the 2016 playoffs a lot and just how how it all unfolded. Obviously, if you cover a World Series winner, it's probably a little better because then you don't have to deal with all the bitching and moaning, which is justified. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's 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 certainly you always prefer your team wins just because it makes it more interesting to write and the players are more uh, cooperative and whatnot. But I mean, the other end of that is true too at points now. You, you just you don't want them to be level bad yeah, all the time. You don't want them thing. to be bad and boring. You know what I mean? And a lot of times in baseball, because the season's so long, if you're really bad, it's so boring. 2012 was just yeah. horrendous to cover. Yeah. When it's the same, you want to avoid just being the same story every night. So it's, it actually has made this team difficult to to cover on a nightly basis because. The fans are tired of reading about the bullpen blowing it. We're tired of writing about the bullpen blowing it. And the guys sitting in the bullpen are tired of blowing it. Yeah. Um, but you can only write about that so many times before it's like, okay, I'm just bashing my head against the wall here. Um, it makes it difficult. It's more fun when there's just different elements, different stories that you can kind of dig up and go through. And stories to kind of answer that in a really, really long way for many people that always ask us how we how we kind of view sports. You end up rooting for stories and sometimes you end up rooting for people and as you said, you try to be as fair as possible. And you know what? Josh Tomlin has sucked. He has been horrendous. He has been every bit as a bad pitcher as his stats would indicate. He's also one of the most cordial guys, one of the most available guys. And you you root for him to do well because he is such a great guy for us to deal with. But it also, you know, means that sometimes you have to say some unkind words sure. to guys that you I mean if he gets on a DFA tomorrow professional level actually I, like. Yeah, if he gets DFA tomorrow I don't think anyone can argue. No. But at the same time you kinda hope he sticks around and figures it out. Yeah. yeah. You ready for a random Indian of the I day? Am. All right. Since we've already gone over five eh, minutes. Yeah, the people love it. This player appeared in 57 games for the Indians. Should we call them like the Attitude Era Indians? <laughs> yes, <laughs> How else sir. do we refer to them? Yeah, yeah, go with that. Because they were a lot of hitting, so they were off offensive. Sure. That's appropriate, right? Um, I don't recall Albert Bell delivering the suck it sign to many people. But <laughs> no, but he would fit in. Okay, so the Indians acquired him... Oh boy, the transactions page is huge. Uh, the Indians acquired him in exchange for Ricky Lede. Wow, Ricky Lede would have been a good one. This was in July of 2000. Go on. So they traded. Oh my god, they traded David Justice for Ricky Lede, yeah, and then they, they traded Ricky Lede for this guy? Wasn't Jake Westbrook in that trade? Oh, no, John Hart, what is you doing? Jake Westbrook was in that trade. Was he? Slow your roll. So they got Kluber. They ended up getting Kluber Justice from David Kluber. Justice. And, of course, they traded Kenny Lofton for David Justice, and then they traded Eddie Taubensee for Kenny Lofton. So Eddie Taubensee got you Corey Kluber. I remember this now. Eddie Taubensee, by the way, great interview. Um, good guy. You. Thank you. Okay. So in 57 games for the Indians in 2000, this guy hit 332. 
332 with an 881 OPS. Wait, what year? 2000. The height of the steroid era. Hint, hint. In how many games? 57. Is it David Segui? Yes! Wow! Good job. I will forever remember someone tried to make the correlation between, at the time, that the Mariners signed him, I believe it was 1997. They signed David Segui, maybe 98, somewhere in there. Um, and the Indians opened up at the Kingdome, and there was a fan there that had a sign that said, getting Segui with it. <laughs> nope. That nope, Jiggy work. and Sigi, <laughs> not quite the same. But for some reason, anytime anyone references David Sigi, that's the first thing that pops into my mind is that random fan that thought that getting Sigi with it that's would great. work in the same way that Will Smith anticipated. I want to give you a standing ovation for getting it right, so hopefully this sound effect works. Um, well, I should have had this ready, but I didn't. Up. Thanks, man. Subscribe to the podcast. I love the podcast. And a million other ways that you can subscribe. We tweet them all out. Follow us on Twitter at TJZuppi, at Zach Meisel. And like I said, hopefully we will be trying to do more of these, do them a little bit more frequently. And also, a little bit more of the dessert talk as opposed to the uh, <laughs> bread and butter. Are we on any new platforms, by the way? Uh, Stitcher yeah. and ZipTorg uh, and bundles? <laughs> yeah, you, you nailed them. You got them. So be sure to follow us on there. And leave us a review. Rate us. It helps uh, immensely. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic. There's always a promotion going on. Do I, I, This is as far away from the company line as possible. Do not pay full price. If you are paying full price for The Athletic, you are doing it wrong. There are always 30% off, 40% off codes somewhere. Message us. We will help you. If you want to pay full price, you can pay full price. Don't do it. Don't do it. There is always a uh, some sort of promotion, so don't pay full price. I'm trying to help you out. We're looking out for you. Will Smith, take it away. We're, at, we're back at some point. I had the CD, Big Willie style. Who didn't? We're out of here. See ya.